Hello and welcome. You're listening to Epic Podcast, Emergency Preparedness in Canada. My name is Joshua. And I'm Grayson. And this episode is entitled Inspector's Gadget, the post-disaster building assessment tool. In this episode, we'll be talking about a British Columbia initiative to streamline the rapid assessment and triage of damaged homes during disaster in an effort to jumpstart recovery and decrease the drain on response resources. What is it for? Who can help? And is it a tool that would be useful across Canada? To answer these questions, we'll be talking with Pat Cullen and Tarina College, who have been involved in developing, implementing, and using the tool. And they're going to share their knowledge on why it's needed and where it's going. All this and more on this episode of Epic Podcast, Current, Relevant, Canadian. So Grayson, one of the major issues facing Canadian emergency managers, particularly during the response phase, is how best to get evacuated community members back home quickly and safely. Part of this issue is often an initial lack of detailed information on where the damage is and how severe it is. And part of it has to do with who decides when it's quote unquote safe to begin reentry. Traditionally, people are evacuated as a large generic group and not really let in again until the experts deem it safe or until a particular geographic region has been cleared. This is often seen as a safe way to manage reentry. I'm not sure it takes into account the harm that being evacuated in its own right can actually do. People just aren't as resilient outside their own homes and social networks. And that's exactly where we snatch them away from. So is there a need to get people back into their homes faster? Which brings us to today's topic, PDBA. Grayson, we love acronyms. This is a new one. What is the PDBA? That's right. The post-disaster building assessment, in short, it's a way to address those resource expertise and information management challenges. At its core, it's a way to help triage homes for re-entry planning. But beyond that, it provides ways to increase both the number of people who can provide information and decisions on the state of individual buildings through education and training, and a way to streamline the collection, correlation, communication, and presentation of that information through tools such as an app and through provisions of guidelines to help align processes, terminology, and build capacity before the next disaster. So to find out more about this tool and its recent use during the BC Atmospheric River events, I was able to connect with Pat Cullen, who helped with the development and implementation of the tool and is the coordinator for BC Housing Security and Emergency Services team and the co-chair of the BC PDDA program. I'll also be speaking with Serena College, who's been involved in its operational use and is the Emergency Management Specialist for Fraser Valley Regional District, a former Emergency Management Coordinator for Fort McMurray, a member of Team Rubicon, and on the Board of Directors for the British Columbia Association of Emergency Managers. Pat, I'm wondering if you could give us a little bit of a history lesson on what the tool is, why it's important, and where it came from. I think the simplest way to explain is to draw a parallel to first aid. Really rapid damage assessment is a triage process for buildings. So if you think about it in that terms, certainly engineers, architects, uh, those with higher levels of, uh, of trades have a better understanding of building structure, construction types, but they're not always needed to do an assessment for every building. And in a catastrophic event, there just simply is going to be a shortage here in the province to be able to have all buildings assessed at that engineer level. So what rapid damage assessment does is allow those who are trained, similar to a first aid uh, trained person, to do a rapid assessment, make a determination on if there's any critical pieces that need to be looked at 
further down the line. So keeping with that first aid context to pass them along to uh, paramedics or even to a hospital for, um, for doctor's care. So in that sense, anyone who takes the training can go out and do these assessments, provide that information back to where that's being collated and coordinated, and then follow it up um, with that higher level of understanding if needed. Yeah, so the post-disaster building assessment tool really is more than just that. It, it's a program in and of itself. There are tools and resources that are components of that, and really all of them are the brainchild of the late, great Stephen Bibby, who was uh, with BC Housing for going on three decades. Following the Loma Prieta earthquake in 1989, Stephen recognized that there was a need for some type of building assessment post-catastrophic earthquake. With BC Housing being responsible for managing and administrating subsidized housing across the province, it makes us one of the largest landlords in the province. So as such, what would we do in a type of catastrophic event? So following that, uh, Stephen took a look at what California has. They have uh, the uh, California Safety Assessment Program, which has two distinct courses that help to assess buildings post-disaster. One focuses on earthquakes, the other focuses on floods and windstorms. So BC Housing took that information, combined it into one program looking at all three of those types of events and named it Rapid Damage Assessment. BC Housing was delivering it in-house to, to staff, but recognizing that there was a need to share that as well with other communities and government agencies. So that began our path of uh, creating and sharing information. Most recently, uh, going back to about 2015, it was identified that there are gaps out there and there are other programs globally that aim to do similar assessments after a disaster. And, and really looking at, I think, New Zealand in 2010 and 2011 is sort of what, what led into this. You know, what, what response did they have and what did they do well? So in 2015, BC Housing partnered with the Architects Institute of BC, the Engineers and Geoscientists of BC, and the Justice Institute of BC to begin a research project to start looking at what are other countries doing, a bit of an environmental scan on best practices, as well as what gaps were still out there. And so the outcome was a paper called the BC Post-Disaster Building Assessment Framework and Recommendations. Through that, it included recommendations on overall program administration, roles and responsibilities, training, the management of information, et cetera, all with the goal to help communities, government agencies, and even private uh, industry to develop their own program for building assessment. So essentially anyone who had responsibility for buildings, that they could take this information and build it into their own program. As an outcome of that research project, we've just recently revised the rapid damage assessment training. Uh, we've also created in partnership with GOBC, the online tool to have that situational awareness to, to view the outcomes of assessments, an app to go along with that so that that information can be directly inputted from the field uh, and appear in real time uh, on that online portal also published a guideline for communities and some other resources to be able to assist in the assessment of homes post-catastrophic event like an earthquake. 
who does it? Who is it for? And is it still the role of architects and engineers to do that secondary assessment? Or is there additional processes? It goes down a bit of a chain. So we take a stoplight approach. There's placards that get placed on each building following an assessment, red, yellow, and green. Green meaning that there's no observed damage at all. Uh, yellow was there may be elements that require further inspection from somebody who was trained. So that might mean that electrical has been flooded. Uh, so before it gets used, it needs to be assessed by a certified electrician. The red placard would be for homes that are clearly obviously unsafe to, to inhabit. So there is a bit of a process there where it, it doesn't always necessarily jump to an engineer or architect to look at. Um, it might be something along the lines of uh, of a technician, electrician that can do an assessment and determine if it's safe to use. So is one of the outputs of this getting people back into their homes a little faster? That's the number one goal, right, is to be able to get people into their homes as quickly as possible, which for any of those homeowners is going to relieve the stress that they may have. They can utilize what they have in their homes, but it also takes stress off of the rest of the response mechanism. So in British Columbia, we have emergency support services. Other provinces may be using services like the Red Cross, allowing people to get back into their homes more quickly reduces the impact and strain on those resources. Now, is this only useful for earthquakes? I heard you say it was designed for certain hazards initially, but is this more of an all hazards tool now? We've been taking a look in the last couple of years where BC has experienced some severe wildfires to see if the tool and the assessment criteria can be applied to things like wildfires. But broadening that, is it an all hazards tool? I'd say at this point, it could be applied. For the recent wildfires, it was used for the town of Lytton, which unfortunately was almost destroyed by wildfire. The assessment tool was used in, in a way for that. We're taking that feedback right now and working through to see how can we apply that to, to wildfire situations moving forward. And in fact, how can we take this and maybe simplify it in, in a way that it can be used for an all hazards approach? Well, definitely interested in hearing how this evolves, but it sounds like we've got some experience in using it. Tarina. Thank you. I could speak briefly to, to Fraser Valley Regional District using the, the post-disaster building assessment program in the midst of the atmospheric river event that we faced in late November 2021. Our organization faced uh, thorough capacity issues as a result of roads that were washed out, flooded in other jurisdictions, limiting access and egress from our own communities. So we found it invaluable that BC Housing was able to support us with sort of an on-the-fly training program for a select number of staff, uh, the ability to take anybody in our staff and teach them the same concepts and be able to dispatch and deploy them into the field and implement the program was invaluable to us. We did find that uh, there, there was one major gap for our organization directly, and that's that we have 10,000 square kilometers and we had more than 2,000 impacted structures and we had evacuated more than 50% of our population. So it's certainly interesting to reflect back upon our use of it and how we could have done differently if the roads weren't uh, an issue. And I look forward to working with BC Housing to um, figure out how we might empower citizens to to report back to us on 
what the status of their house is and looks like if they're stuck in a geography and we can't dispatch or deploy anybody to assess them. One area that we know as a lesson learned that we need to improve upon is being able to draw resources um, for those trained assessors or to draw people in to train them and get them to the communities in need. It did pose a challenge with some of the logistics as highways throughout the province were, were closed, uh, impassable. So there are some, some other factors there that we need to work on and how to get people into the, the areas that they need to get into. But there were a lot of takeaways like that that we can start to take back and, and uh, create tools and resources to be able to assist communities that may experience this type of event again sometime in the future. Everything about this is making a lot of sense to me. If, if there can be accessible just-in-time training for spontaneous volunteers and community members during a disaster, that's somewhere for them to go, somewhere for them to lend their skills and their help to. Where does this go from here? What's next for the, the post-disaster building assessment tool? First and foremost is to collect the feedback from those communities that were most impacted to find out what worked well and what we could do better in the future to provide training exercises, other resources that would be able to enable them to develop their, their local programs in advance of, of an event. So it may include things like uh, remote quality assurance, you know, looking at assessments to help determine maybe using engineers and, and others with, with a higher level of training to look at them remotely and say, you're doing great, or to provide some feedback on how they, um, they can apply the assessment tools. A constant review of curriculum is something that, that's always needed. So the rapid damage assessment course has just been recently launched with feedback that we've collected over the last several years. BC Housing also has a coordination of damage assessment course that's meant to assist those that are sitting in an emergency operations center, collecting that information, collating it, and then taking that to figure out, okay, we've got this situational awareness now, what next? So that coordination of damage assessment training is really meant to help those that are sitting in that chair. It's currently being reviewed and will be shared online as well once it gets completed. One of the other outcomes from these recent responses and others as well is what does transition to recovery look like in the context of the damage assessment? So sort of following that coordination piece, what do we do with this information and how can it lead to getting people back into their homes as quickly as possible? So that might include things like, you know, being able to just identify which houses or which buildings are impacted with the loss of electrical through flooding or disruption to the gas lines uh, through a, a seismic event, being able to get a nice clear image of that visually represented to be able to start sending the needed resources into those areas to restore those, to restore those services so that community members can return one of the pieces that isn't necessarily integrated yet into the specific rapid damage assessment or post-disaster building assessment program is a windshield assessment where you can give someone a map, have them drive down a street and determine, is there even a building here to assess? And so I think it's very straightforward to be able to rapidly identify that something needs a higher level of engineering analysis, uh, whether that's structural, electrical, whether that is natural gas, and there's multiple levels of application for the program. And the other piece of that is just a better way to manage information. So there is an online portal that communities within British Columbia can access with this information coming in either through uh, through the paper 
uh, forms or through the online or the, the app tool to, to collect this information. And that's more even at the provincial level. So with Emergency Management BC, being able to access that and provide support to communities on a large scale, where can they start directing resources that uh, that they might have available to assist? So it sounds like there'll be an app for that at some point. There is an app now that is available. Yep, that can be used by anyone on any mobile device. It's based on the Esri platform. So if you're familiar with GIS software, Esri is one of the, the major ones it's based on that software to be able to literally on a map um, with your GPS enabled on your phone, click on where you are, identify the property and start to input the fields of that form so that once you complete it, even attach a few photos, it'll automatically go back to the coordinator in the emergency coordination center. They can see in real time what that's looking like. Well, there you have it. The post-disaster building assessment tool. Pat, Tarina, thank you so much for joining us for this epic podcast and for everything you do to keep us safe. And that's all for this episode of Epic Podcast. A big thanks to Tarina and Pat for sharing their time and expertise with us. If you'd like to start building out your own program, you can find out more at bchousing.org. Happy Emergency Preparedness Week. Thanks for listening. Just before we go, I do want to take a moment to thank our sponsors. This episode was brought to you in part by the Northwest Fest International Documentary Festival, running in cinema from May 6th to the 14th and online from May 5th to 15th. Check out the full Northwest film lineup and purchase all access passes or single tickets at northwestfest.ca. This episode was also brought to you in part by the Edmonton Community Foundation, which has put together a quick little clip, which I will play now. Hello, I'm Elizabeth Monkink. I'm Andrew Paul. And we're the hosts of the Well Endowed Podcast. The Well Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation, or ECF as we call it. ECF provides grants to charities through the endowment funds we create and manage with our donors. Hence the title of our show, The Well Endowed Podcast. Every month, we bring you a collection of stories and interviews with fascinating guests who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. Through these stories, we look at the space where endowments intersect with your communities. So if you're interested in the people and issues impacting your community, check out thewellendowedpodcast.com. You've been listening to an Epic Podcast production, a proud partner of the International Association of Emergency Managers Canada and a member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. As always, Epic Podcasts are designed as a supplementary educational tool for the EM professional on the go. The views and opinions explored during this podcast do not necessarily represent the agencies or organizations that we or our guests may belong to. For more information about the show or the people on it, visit our website at epicpodcast.ca or follow us on Twitter at username Epic Podcast. Stay tuned for more on the next episode of Epic Podcast, current, relevant, Canadian.